Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeaky, live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I'm calling Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Happy fall, everybody. It's one of my favorite times of the year. Perhaps it is one of yours as well. I love it because it is perfect for so many home improvement projects. And not to mention that Halloween is coming up, which is a very fun celebration for our kids and perhaps yours as well. So this hour, we're going to have some tips on decorating safely for all of those ghosts and goblins that will be stopping by your home this weekend. And also ahead, Happy Energy Awareness Month. Yes, I'm sure you probably didn't even realize that this was an occurrence. Is there a Hallmark card? That's what well, I want to know. I'm printing one up right now on my computer at home. <laughs> I've drafted it up. You, wait till you see. And it, I didn't use any energy making it either. <laughs> well, saving energy has taken a lot of importance on this year at the White House, and it's coming all the way from the president right to your door. That's why Later this hour, we're going to highlight the most common places that warm air can sneak out of your house and teach you then how to seal them up. Plus, we've got a money-saving solution for those hot water builds. Learn why tankless water heaters are the most energy-efficient option out there. And we're also going to talk about an easy way to install them that won't require a major plumbing redo. And this hour, we're giving away a great prize to help you keep your house clean and green. It's a Tree Wax home care package. It's worth $20, and it includes both the Tree Wax floor cleaner and their metal polish, which are two great products to help you with your household chores. So let's get to it. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's first? Angelo in Comac, New York, is calling in with an insulation question. What can we do for you? Hey, guys. Love the show. Thanks. Um, so just had a question. I'm um, looking to re-insulate my attic. So obviously I'm going to add new insulation perpendicular to what's, you know, to, in the attic to what's already up there. But I'm not sure how to determine whether I should remove the existing insulation or not and, you know, uh, before, I, before I go ahead. What kind of insulation do you have right now? Uh, I think it's, it's kind of almost like a, looks like, a, I guess, a rock wool type. Like it's not, it doesn't look like fiberglass. It's kind of mm-hmm. beige and kind of... Uh, you know, thick. How old is the house? Uh, it's probably built in the 60s. It probably is not rock wool. Rock wool would be older than that. Does it look okay. like it's compressed and sort of sunken and sagged? It's definitely, it's definitely like an inch or two below the top of the joist. Okay. Well, if it's only an inch or two, it probably has some life left in it. What you could do, an easy way to add more insulation, that would be to use unfaced fiberglass bats. I'd probably get 8-inch bats 
and I would put them perpendicular across the joists. And that will make okay. a big difference. So you don't put it inside the joist. You don't press them down into the joist. You put them across the joist. You're going to give up a little bit of storage space by doing this, but that's the best way to get additional insulation up there, Angelo. Now, what about the space um, putting the, uh, the insulation perpendicular to that, that space that's between the, the existing insulation that and the new insulation? Is that, is that yeah. okay? I wouldn't worry too much about that uh, at this point, unless you wanted to go with uh, blown-in insulation, and, and if that was the case, you'd obviously be filling up, filling it up on top of it. Okay, great. Which is another option for you, blown-in. But again, if you do blown-in, you're going to have very, very little storage space up there left. Is that an issue? Is storage an issue? Uh, not necessarily. No, we're, we're not really using that for storage right now. Well, you might want to consider blown-in. Blown-in is a real, real good way to fill in all of those nooks and crannies that you can't get bats into. And is that more expensive than you know, doing regular insulation? Yeah, no, or? You definitely can't do it yourself unless you're renting the machine. So it will be more expensive by virtual the fact that you're paying for labor. But, you know, otherwise it's pretty much even, Steven. Okay, great. Oh, okay. Good to know. I didn't even think of that. You know, if you want more tips on the options, you can go to the Owens Corning website. And actually they have a microsite called insulateandsave.com. It's got a lot of calculators and, and tips on the different options that you can go through when you're choosing insulation products. Okay, great. And, and if I if I do find because uh, I did look at a, only a part of the attic, if if the insulation is you know more than an inch or two below, like if it's really kind of compressed, then then would I remove it? Then you might want to think about pulling it out. Yes. Okay. All right. Great. Well, that's uh, well, that's very helpful. I I really appreciate that. You're welcome, Angela. Good luck with the project. Let us know how it turns out. Carolyn, Kentucky has a question about a sink. What can we do for you? Hello. Um, I've got an old, beautiful porcelain pedestal sink. Well, I guess it's porcelain, I assume, Sounds but it's nice. an, an old old pedestal sink, uh, and it's got a hairline fracture, you know, pretty kind of, you know, goes out a couple ways, you know, and it's, a, it's, it's a, you know, very small, um, you know, I pulled out a piece of my hair and laid it there, and I'd say it's about a, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you, you know, like a, hair a, hair, a hair and a half uh, width, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, uh, and about, you know... I don't know, you know, uh, a foot long or something. And okay. it's a beautiful Now, was that thing, with the I... root or without the root? Aww. <laughs> oh, that's sad. No, I didn't go that far. Okay. <laughs> but, I, you know, I'd really like to restore it. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I just don't, I assume you can do that. I guess there's people that do that. I just don't know. Well, I, I think that it's not always a good idea to try to refinish those old sinks because the you know the new surfaces that they put on don't stick as well and they don't look as good. I mean, some of those hairline cracks are the character that really makes it what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm, I never thought about that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and that truly identifies it. Okay, so you don't think people would look at that and think, "Wow, she has a." You know, sink with a no, just just, just no, just pick up all the hair, okay, girl. <laughs> okay. Stop putting your hair next to it. There are I though. Um, I mean, there are products out there. There's something called Porcafix, P-O-R-C-A-F-I-X. It's available at a lot of home centers. It comes in a variety of colors based on manufacturers. That's more for, like, chips and scratches, but it could work to cover over the hairline. I mean, the proper way to do it, if you were to get a pro to come in, they would dig out around the crack and then pour in new porcelain. I mean, it really is quite an extensive process. So, Oh, really? Yeah. If you feel like it's something you can live with, go for it. If not, I would say try yeah. that, that topical, the Porsifix. 
Okay. All right. Well, that's good. I only paid $10 for the sink, as beautiful <laughs> as it is. So I might be able to put a little money into it. All right. But I, but I didn't think about just keeping it like it is. So I'll definitely consider that. All right, Carol. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now you can call in your home repair, home improvement, home design, decor, whatever you are working on. We can give you a hand with that project 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, keep your home safe for neighborhood goblins looking for a treat. We've got a checklist that will make sure your front entry is clear and well lit, but still super spooky. Where Home Solutions Live, welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And you can call us right now with your home repair, your home decor, your home improvement question at one eight 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 money pit If you call us right now, you may just win a Truex home care package. Got one of these to give away this hour to one caller. You'll get a bottle of Truex hardwood floor cleaner, a bottle of hardwood care refinisher, and a bottle of brilliant metal polish for stainless steel, brass, and many other metals. That package is going out to one caller who reaches us with their home improvement question. Maybe it's a cleaning question at one eight 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 money pit that's right. Pick up the phone and give us a call because we'd love to hear what you're working on and help you get that project done. Well, this is a fantastic weekend because I love Halloween. It is one of my favorite holidays. And according to what I've been reading, so does everybody else. Yes, now, and, I, and I can testify to that because you do go totally all out for this holiday. I do. I decorate pretty much starting the beginning of October straight through January, you know, right after the epiphany when I take down the tree. And if my husband would let me, I would keep that Christmas tree up till February. February 28th for my birthday and make it a birthday tree, but I know that's not really logical, but I do love the holidays. And you know, in fact, only Christmas tops Halloween for home decor. So go ahead and have a great time with your Halloween decorations, but make sure that your outside adornments don't interfere with the walkways, the steps, or the lighting. First of all, you want to make sure that you address loose bricks, any paving stones, or any uneven areas of your walkways, because you're going to have a lot of people coming up to your house on Halloween and you want to make sure that it's safe for them to do so. You also want to test the bulbs in your fixtures, and you may want to install a low-voltage lighting kit to illuminate the approach to your home and add security lights in dark corners because, you know, God forbid, you don't want a kid to fall down or somebody to get hurt. You know, it's such a festive day. Let's try to make it a lot of fun. That's right. And if you decide to add some scary fun to stair railings, make sure the decorations don't get in the way of little hands who might need to grab those railings for extra support. And keep in mind that a continuously ringing doorbell will probably drive your dog nuts, something that can easily scare off the kids. So make sure that uh, your pets are safely sequestered indoors away from trick-or-treat traffic and all of those spooky sounds brought on by the ghosts and goblins that will be venturing onto your porch this weekend. Omar in New Mexico, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? I'm trying to insulate a uh, huge warehouse, and I ran across some uh, kind of like insulating paints. I saw one online which I think insulates by uh, kind of like those little tiny bubbles that you mix into your paint. And then mm-hmm. I saw some that is like a white, thick latex paint that I guess is supposed to reflect uh, sun's rays and 
you know, not allowed your building to get so hot. Yeah, I think you're close. It's not that you're adding insulation to it. The additive is a radiant barrier, correct, Leslie? Yeah. It makes the paint become a radiant barrier. And what's happening is you can use it on the inside and the or the outside of whatever structure, and it works to reflect the heat away if it's outside. And if it's on the inside, it sort of keeps in the heat or, you know, sort of keeps in the cool. It maintains that temperature. Now, there's one product that I'm familiar with, and it's called Insulad. And that's an additive that does act as a radiant barrier. And once it's on the walls, whether it's interior or exterior, you could repaint new colors, you know, down the road, and that radiant barrier will still be effective, whether it's three or four or five layers of paint below the current, you know, layer of paint that you're showing. And it really does work. I mean, if you go to their website, which is insulad.com, you can see using an infrared technology that it's actually keeping the heat in and not allowing it to escape. And it really does have some good effects. And it's a very easy product to sort of mix into any sort of paint off the shelf that you can buy. Okay, sounds good. And yeah, actually, that's one of the products I had ran across. I just remembered it when you mentioned it. Yeah, and it's affordable, and it really is a good, good product. Okay, well, sounds good. I just basically want to know if it was an actual legitimate product or, or not. So thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. All right, now we've got Dolores in Rhode Island who is considering a sunroom for her Money Pit. What can we do for you? I'm just wondering, before I go into all the expense of putting in site plans and blueprints and all to coastal resources because I'm on the water. Mm -hmm. If there's a way to judge approximately what a sunroom should cost, is there something like so many dollars a square foot? Well, it depends a lot on what exactly you're talking about building. Now, is this going to be a prefabricated sunroom? I don't think it can be because they have to take out a couple of walls in the house. Here's what Mm -hmm. I would do. Since you're on the water and you have so many questions and and estimating construction costs is so important, I would definitely have an architect spec this out for you. You know, for the cost of hiring the architect, you're going to get a lot of questions answered. And most importantly, if you do decide to build it, you're going to have a set of plans that's going to detail exactly how this has to be built. Stylistically, you know, and also structurally, which is mm-hmm. very important when you're on the weather, on the water, because of the because of the weather. This is a situation where I think it will be well worth your expense to hire an architect. And there's plenty of architects out there that are looking for small jobs right now. Well, and also, Dolores, when you're going to at some point file with your you know local building department and the environmental impact folks, you're going to need all of that in hand before you even approach them. So the architect is really the starting line here. Okay, I understood that. I I was just wondering because I don't know if I want to spend a lot of money on a, on a on that if I can't afford the room. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, an architect will also, you know, sort of steer you in the direction of are we talking about a three-season room? Will this room be heated? Is it strictly screened in? Um, what are my building materials? And that will really figure out your cost per square foot. Yeah, if you start with the architect, you'll be able to get an initial sort of, you know, gut level estimate of what you're talking about based on the kind of room that you'd like to create. And if it turns out to be too much money, the architect can also scale it down and give you some options. So you get that information first. You're not talking a lot of money at this point just to hire the architect. And if it looks like a good project, then you decide to move forward with, uh, you know, with the legal review. Okay. I really appreciate that information. I never even thought about doing that. That's the way to do it, Loris. Okay, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. 
Roger in Alaska is dealing with a house that is showing some cracks. Tell us about the problem. Well, uh, I was born and raised and lived all my life in Louisiana and just recently moved up to Anchorage, and we bought a little house up here. By far the youngest house I've ever owned. It's only nine years old. Slightly different uh, climate up there in Mm. Alaska, huh? Oh, yeah. uh, I have never (laughs) lived north of I-10, and today there's snow on the mountains out there. I can see it'll be snowing in the next month or so. How nice. But but, uh, also, I experienced my first earthquake about four weeks ago. Interesting. And and, I tell you what, that's an eye-opener. And I open my eyes, and I look, and I see all the cracks Mm. in the sheetrock in the house. Now, there aren't that many. But, and you know, maybe I just didn't look for them before the quake. Yeah, they may have been there all that time. After the quake, it was just a little knock. I mean, it wasn't much, but it was you knew what it was. Right. And I uh, started looking around. I just want to make sure that, uh, you know, I, I can understand probably get, get, get around with, like, the mud filler or spackle or whatever mm-hmm. and fix the cracks up and just watch them. But I want to make sure that there isn't something more I should be doing or something to watch for, like what's settling versus maybe what could be damaged from an earthquake mm-hmm. or something like that. Well, if you've had a significant earthquake, you really need a professional inspection. And the way to do that is to go to the website for the American Society of Home Inspectors at ashiashi.org and find a local professional home inspector to do a structural inspection for you and determine whether or not there's any damage that's you know below the surface. Uh-huh. Fixing those cracks is a pretty straightforward uh, project. You don't just want to spackle them over, though, Roger. You want to put some drywall tape over the crack first. If you just spackle the crack, it will simply open up again. I would recommend the perforated fiberglass tape because it's easy to work with. You have to cut it with the scissors, but then it's self-stick. And because it's perforated, you just sort of press the spackle mm-hmm. right through it, two or three coats, and, and, and you're good to go. Keep in mind also that uh, if it's a newer home, it's probably been built to withstand earthquakes. Most homes in earthquake areas do have building codes that allow that. And if it's not, and the inspector will be able to tell you this, it can be retrofitted. There's pro- there's pro- um, programs all over the country, a lot, of course, in California, uh, where contractors come in and simply retrofit homes to make them more earthquake resistant. Okay. Sounds good. Well, I caught y'all's show up here for the first time on KNI Radio, and I uh, love it. Uh, tune in every, ch- every chance I get. Great. We'll, uh, we will help uh, make the transition to the colder climate as easy as possible <laughs> on you, Roger. I'll sure, I tell you, I may have some other questions about All right. frost, well, even in the back. yard and everything once we get a little closer <laughs> right. to winter. All right. Thanks so much, Roger, for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Call back anytime. Now we've got Trudy from California who's got a chimney sweeping question. How can we help you? Hi, yes. Uh, my concern is that for years when we've had someone come out to clean our chimney, um, they always go up on the roof to clean okay. it. And yep. it's a two-story home. There's an elbow right before it hits the ceiling and exits our home. And my concern is that the creosote would build up in that elbow because mm-hmm. the last chimney sweep said that he couldn't go on the roof. And he did it from um, inside the home through the stove. And I, I'm not real sure he could get it clean. And I'm afraid of a fire, chimney, mm. you know, chimney fire. Yeah. Um, why couldn't he not go on the roof? You know, he didn't say, but he was a, he was a fairly large man. And I'm thinking maybe he doesn't <laughs> want to climb up there. He was a pretty, you know, pretty good sized guy. Yeah. It wasn't that he couldn't. It was that he wouldn't. Well, listen, it's a dangerous job. And you have to be sure-footed to do something like that. Uh, I do think it's important that uh, a chimney and sweep do the inspection from above and from below. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's possible that that area that you're concerned about was visible without going on the roof, then perhaps 
you don't have to worry about it. But typically, you're going to get most of the creosote down the bottom if that if that makes you feel a little bit better. But if you've got a nook or a okay, cranny up good. there, it could get trapped inside. So in the best case scenario, yeah, should be clean from the top and the bottom. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome, Trudy. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Well, I, for one, love a nice hot bath. But if a good warm soak in your tub leaves the water running cold for the rest of your family, well, tough noogies. <laughs> We've got a solution for you. Up next, we're going to have information on a way to have an endless supply of hot water that is totally energy efficient. So stick around. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, you've heard us talk about tankless now for years. And fortunately, many of you are actually starting to listen to us. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, actually. More and more Americans are turning to tankless because it is just the most efficient way to get hot water. And most importantly, to get water, hot water that you'll never, ever run out of. Well, now it's getting even easier. The systems are getting even more efficient and they're even easier to install. As a result of that, we've got an expert standing by to tell us all about that. That's right. Joining us now with some more great reasons to go tankless is Bob Hitchner from Naritz. He's the Senior VP of Sales and Marketing. Welcome, Bob. Hi, Leslie. So, Bob, tankless water heaters have always um, had installation advantages over traditional water heaters because they used such uh, little space compared to a standard water heater. However, the venting, though, was always an issue, wasn't it? Because you had to run it through a stainless steel pipe and and up inside the chimney. Now I understand that you guys are developing condensing tankless water heaters that make that a lot easier. Tell us about it. Yeah, uh, Tom, what what a condensing tankless water heater is all about is that we have a second heat exchanger in the uh, in the unit, and what it does is it reduces the, the uh, heat of the uh, emissions that go out the vent, and as a result, we're able to use low-cost and easily available PVC venting to vent the heaters. And this means that uh, if you put your, your tankless heater in the middle of your basement and have a long venting run, right. it's really not that difficult for your contractor to manage that. So that means you're taking so much heat out of the gases that all that's left is essentially water vapor, right? That is, uh, that's correct. And we've taken all that heat and we've, we've transferred it to the incoming water in the heater. That's amazing. How, I mean, it seems like since it's working so hard to sort of continually withdraw this heat and transfer it to the water, does that affect the efficiency of the heater? Uh, absolutely. The, uh, the heating of a, uh, efficiency of a, conden- a conventional tankless water heater is about 82 to 84 percent. Uh, these uh, super-efficient condensing tankless water heaters are more like 94 to 96%. Wow. wow. That's that's a pretty huge difference. How long does it generally take to, I mean, most often with things that are green or energy efficient, you've got to put a little bit of money up front before you recoup that value. How long, in general terms, does it take to sort of see that return on investment? It's, uh, you know, it's going to be, you know, 10, 10 or more years in a normal home, but there are a lot of benefits in going tankless as well, particularly the ability to fill up your, uh, your big uh, bath uh, for that, that deep soak and, and also to make sure that you never run out of hot water in the morning when everybody's taking a shower. Mm. Now, how do you determine what size tankless water heater you need for a particular house? Is it based on bathrooms, number of bathrooms, and that sort of thing? 
Well, indirectly, it's, it's based on the number of bathrooms or the number of showers. But really, the, the critical thing to look at is what is your peak hot water demand during the day? Do you have two people in the shower at the same time in different, in different bathrooms, or is it just one shower or one bath that's being used uh, at one time? And this is something that a, a good contractor can help a homeowner to uh, calculate. Now, what about the maintenance of a tankless unit? You know, I, I know with a tank teeter, you know, you're looking at maybe a 10-year lifespan, and there certainly is some work that goes into it. What about a, a tankless? How long can you expect that to last, and what kind of regular maintenance do you need to do? Well, you know, the, the most important thing to look at is, uh, is, is your water locally? Is it hard water or is it soft water? If you have hard water uh, with any water heater and, and with any of the fixtures in your home that use hot water, over time you'll have a scale buildup. And that, in fact, is the main reason that many tank water heaters fail is because you get uh, scale or, or sludge buildup in the bottom of the heater and its, its heating efficiency deteriorates over time and then it, it no longer works. With a tankless, what, what we do, because we, we really could last uh, longer than that, we recommend that people talk to their plumber and, and, and find out if they do indeed have hard water. And if they do, we hope that they will look at uh, something uh, that will condition the water that's coming into the, into the water heater. If they do that, uh, you will continue to have high, efficient water heating for years. We're talking to Bob Hitchner. He is the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Norritz. Bob, this is a, is a very green technology. What are the latest developments in, uh, in the greenness of these tankless water heaters? Um, well, overall, the, the, the main reason that they're green is because they use a lot less uh, gas to heat the same amount of water than a, uh, an old-fashioned tank water heater. And that's been true forever, and the, the efficiency is getting a little bit uh, more efficient with our super-efficient condensing heaters. But in addition to that, as a company, we've done a, a couple things. One is that we've uh, launched a new burner in the combustion chamber that lowers the amount of uh, bad gases that are emitted from the, uh, from the vent. And uh, in our most recent model, the NR83, which is a whole home tankless water heater, uh, we've even included uh, codes on many of the components in the water heater so that 10, 15 years down the road when this uh, water heater gets ready to be recycled, the recycler will know exactly what's in those components. That's fantastic news. And also right now is a perfect time to buy one because uh, there's a tax credit you could qualify for as well. Uh, yes, and uh, if someone's interested in, in converting from a, a tank to a tankless water heater, this is really the best time. Uh, the federal tax credit for home energy efficient uh, appliances is set to expire at the end of the year, and that would pay back uh, up to 30% of the cost of not only the unit, but also of the installation. And so, especially for people who are looking at a first-time conversion, this is really the time to uh, uh, take a look and see what they should be doing. It's a great time to do just that. Bob Hitchner, Senior VP of Sales and Marketing for Noritz. Thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit, Bob, and filling us in on the latest in tankless water heating technology from Noritz. If you'd like more information, you can go to the Noritz website at noritz.com. That's N-O-R-I-T-Z.com. And while you're there, there is a dealer locator right there on the homepage uh, at noritz.com. You can put in your zip code and find an installer near you. 
Well, we're going to have more ways to save money and energy coming up next, including where to find those sneaky leaks in your house and how to seal them up to save your energy dollars. The Money Pit is brought to you by Generac and the Generac Automatic Standby Generator. Be protected and never worry about power outages again. Visit your favorite home improvement center or call 888-GENERAC or visit generac.com. Your home will stay on the next time the power goes out. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And you should pick up the phone and give us a call with your home repair or your home improvement question right here at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. And one lucky caller that we talked to on the air this hour is going to win a Tree Wax home care package. It's worth 20 bucks, And you are going to get a bottle of Tree Wax hardwood floor cleaner, a bottle of hardwood care refinisher, and a bottle of brilliant metal polish for the stainless steel, brass, and any other metal surfaces in your Money Pit. So give us a call right now at 1 888 Money Pit for your chance to win and, of course, the answer to your home improvement question. 888 666 3974. Well, sealing up now for the winter will definitely help you save money all season long. And there are several ways that you can do just that using caulk, weather stripping, and insulation. You know, there are a lot of ways for cold air to sneak into your home. In fact, we have a term for that. It's called cold air infiltration, and it accounts for most of your home's heat loss. So to seal it up, the first thing you want to do, commonplace for leaks, electrical outlets on outside walls. Now, this is something you generally don't think about, but the next time you get a cold night, Put the back of your hand against one of those plugs or light switches on your outside wall. You will be surprised with how much chilly air will stream right through it. Good news is is that it's very easily fixed. There are very inexpensive foam gaskets that can go behind the cover plate and will seal those up quite, quite effectively. You also want to seal away the bath exhaust fans and dryer vents where they come through the exterior walls. Those gaps around those exhaust ducts can definitely be a way in. And another common place to check is your attic staircase. Some Another place that you typically don't think about, but where that attic hatches or where that attic stairway is, you want to weather strip that to prevent the warm air from inside your house from escaping up into the attic. Remember, hot air rises. It will rise and push up against the attic hatchway and against the attic uh, stair door, and it'll go right into the attic and away. So it's a big waste of energy. Mm -hmm. Now, you can also use caulk and weather stripping around your windows and doors around the house. And they even make a removable caulk so that you can actually caulk yourself into your house for the winter, essentially. You would do it on any sort of drafty windows, essentially sealing that window shut with the caulk. And then when it becomes springtime, you just peel away that caulk and it you know works again, which really is a great solution. And it does seal out a lot of air. Finally, you also want to make sure that your home is insulated properly. Now, you might think that you have enough insulation, but in fact, most homes are lacking in this area. So one place that we like to recommend for information on how much insulation you need is owenscorning.com. They've got calculators and other tools which will help you figure out if you've got enough and if you don't have enough, exactly how much more to add so that you'll stay nice and toasty this winter season. 888-666-3974. Call us right now. If you've got an energy efficiency question, we are here to help. Now we've got Marsha in California with a water damage question. What happened? Well, we had uh, flashing around our uh, heating and air conditioner that was on the roof, 
and we didn't realize that that flashing was damaged. And so by the time we got uh, water damage in the bedroom, it's uh, not very good, and the ceiling is all stained. And so I was hoping to find out the steps for preparing that ceiling to paint it. Step one, fix leak. <laughs> okay, okay, we have a new roof. All right, good. <laughs> new flashing, new roof, new new heating air conditioner. <laughs> all right, those are all good things. Now, how big is the stain? It it covers a good portion of the ceiling. All right, and that's all I need to know. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get an oil-based primer. This could be Kills or it could be uh, bin, Zinzer. The bin, what's it called? Bin 123 or something Bullseye like that? Bullseye 123. Bullseye 123. Any one of these good quality oil-based primers. And I want you to prime not just the spot but the entire ceiling. And the reason that you're doing that, Marcia, is because if you don't prime the entire ceiling, the, the ceiling paint that you're going to put on after this is going to absorb differently in the primed versus the non-primed spots. But if mm -hmm. you prime the entire surface, it will neutralize that stain. It will, give you, it will give you good adhesion from the old to the new. And it will give you a nice flat, smooth surface for the top coat to be on. Um, after putting the oil base on, is it okay to use latex after that? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yep, okay. absolutely. And I was wondering, some friends of mine said that they thought that I ought to wash the ceiling down with bleach because that that would uh, kill anything that was in there that was growing. No, mm -hmm. if it's still if it's if it's dry because I presume the leak's been fixed for quite a while yep. now. There's yes, no reason to use a mildicide on it. Primers like that have mildicides in them and I wouldn't worry about that. You just want to get a good primer on there so you seal that stain in because if you don't, what happens is some of the qualities of that stain, you get a chemical reaction and some of those colors will leach through the paint unless you prime it first. Oh, I see. And so then the bleach would be a bad idea. Well, it's just not necessary. It's just to not a necessary state. No, I just wouldn't do it. I would just prime it, and that's all you need to do, and you can paint right on top of that, and you would be done with it. Oh, good. So then I don't have to use the No, you don't have to. No. Nope, you'll be fine. I've heard of the kills before, and I've used that in my bathroom, and I know it works really well. It works we had great. had a severe mold problem in there, and I had to take the wall out, and so uh, I just didn't know whether or not that stain, you know, would... Uh, Give up. <laughs> no, if you prime, you will seal that stain right in, and you'll never see it again. We're getting it really cool in the morning, and if you could give me a temperature range of when is the best temperature to start painting and the best temperature to stop painting. As long as it's not an extreme cold or an extreme hot, you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And if you wait for a really non-humid day, it's going to dry lickety-split. Okay. Okay, so humidity is more important than the temperature. Yeah, when you're painting oh, inside yeah. your house, for sure. Well, I can tell you here in California, we really appreciate uh, you, Tom, and Leslie, the, the program that you put on here. It's really helpful. Thank you so much, Marcia. Good luck with that project. Thanks a lot. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, if you've got an armful of groceries, do you find that you're fumbling with your keychain always? Well, why not let yourself into your house with a keyless lock? We'll tell you all about it next. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling 888 Money Pit. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, if you're expecting company for the upcoming holiday season, check out our tips on how to make those guests feel cozy and warm at moneypit.com. Just search on holiday hospitality tips. They're very strategic tips. They help you make your guests comfortable enough to stay, but only for the holiday season. <laughs> then but you can not so comfortable where they'll never leave. <laughs> 
<laughs> and while you're online, you can email us your question. I've got one here from Marcine who writes, I would like to get your opinions on keyless front entry door locks and deadbolts. Are there any that are better than others out there? Well, keyless locks are certainly becoming more and more popular, and there's a number of good reasons for that. I mean, first off, I like the fact that you have the flexibility of changing the code. You know, you lose your key, or maybe you want to give a temporary code to a housekeeper or a babysitter or somebody working on your house. Mm -hmm. You can do that and then kind of wipe the code and go back to square one. So they are kind of popular. There's a number of different options with them. They you know, do have the very simple ones that are push-button combination locks. But you know what's new right now, Leslie, and really hot is the biometric ones. Oh, the ones like where you have like a Yeah, like a fingerprint. You can stick your finger in, and it scans it, and it opens the door. The only downside to these things is... You know, they only have usually the power of a battery to move the lock in and out. So unless the door is, you know, pretty secure and it's opening so there's no stickiness to it over mm -hmm. throughout the year, uh, if that happens, it could kind of get jammed up. But but also they have a key that's in the ultimate, you know, backup sense that the power goes down and you can't get in. There's usually a backup key somewhere that you can use. So they kind of have their strengths and their weaknesses, but I don't think they're totally there just yet. Hmm. We're getting there. We're getting to the house of the future. Good luck with that, Marcin. Well, if you're like me and perhaps have an older home, you really own a piece of history. One way, though, to really take that to the next level is to use historical paint colors on your projects. Leslie has some tips on how to do just that in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. That's right. And the autumn is a perfect time of year to paint because you've got low humidity. You've got cool, crisp days. So you can open up those windows and paint the inside of your house. Or you've got some really nice dry days ahead to paint the outside of your house. So wherever you're painting, keep in mind that the style of your home really does lend to some color choices. And there are five easily identifiable periods of American architecture that lend themselves to some historical paint color choices. So if you know your home style, you're one step closer to your painting project. Now, if you've got a colonial style home, and those would date between the mid-1600s to 1780, but of course, colonial style, you would know, could even be a modern home just built that way. Those types of homes really lend themselves to earthy reds, deep indigos, ochres, and even like a burnt umber were very popular. And these organic pigments were easy to transform into oil-based paints. So those are good colors that you could go with for your home. If you've got a federal style home, 1780 to 1830, the federal style house was the dominant style concentrated in very prosperous port cities like Boston, New York, and Philadelphia. And those really found themselves in the cream tones, pumpkins, sagey greens, and muted blues that typically characterize this style of architecture. Now, Greek Revival, this was popular from 1825 to 1855. These homes were made from wood, and these buildings are invariably painted white. Now, the accent colors, which were rarely used but sometimes done, could include black, dark green, or even shades of gold. And if you've got a Victorian-era home, 1840 to 1900, there was lots of wood ornamentation, including latticework, turrets, decorative brackets, and molding. And those colors chosen then were dark mulberries, gingers, mossy greens, brick reds, and even buffs, which are sort of like a nudie tan color, were used in those decorations. So really, you've got a lot of choices. And a lot of the home centers will sort of put together color groupings as well based on these historic colors. Even Benjamin Moore has a whole historic book for you to choose from. So really take the time, research the style of your home, and choose a color palette that goes hand in hand, and you'll have a great project. Well, speaking of painting projects, coming up next week on The Money Pit, there are new EPA rules for removing lead paint, and they could affect you 
if you own a home that's built before 1978. We'll have tips on the best way to handle removal on the next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a money pit. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.